0: Uh, one uh, correction to the, the video, I think the, the date of that women's event was actually uh, January 30th, not the 31st, so January 30th is the, the date for that, that women's event. Uh, for those who don't know you, my name my, know me, My name is uh, Scott Shoup. I'm the youth pastor here, um, and uh, Pastor Bart is, is out of town. Uh, he'll be back next week. Um, if you have a Bible, please turn to Hebrews the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, which is where we'll be most of the morning, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Um, I wanted to, to say thank you to, to those who prayed for, for me and my family. We were out a couple of weeks ago with uh, the flu. Um, probably like others, we've spent most of 2018 sick, uh, more, more days sick than not sick, but we're, we're feeling much better now. And so I thank you for... Those who prayed and who checked up on us, and I know that we have others who are, who are out this morning with, with the flu, so we want to um, keep them in our prayers and um, one of the things I, I, I'm thankful for at, at fullness, one of the things I love about this place is that it is a place that people pray for each other um, and they're not just they don't only pray for each other, but they, they check up on each other, they follow up on the, the prayers that they. They give for each other, and that's, that's really kind of the theme that I want to go into, press in harder to this morning. Um, I want to talk about this morning the the necessity of, of community and being in relationship with each other. And the, the title of, of this message is, We're All in This Together. And I, I think this is one of those concepts that we would all affirm as believers, but may not really truly believe when it comes right down to it. Uh, I know often that I don't. Um, so I'm, I'm. believe me, I'm preaching to myself as much as, or maybe more than anyone else this morning. Um, I'm over small groups here at Fullness, but even though I am over small groups and uh, community, um, if, if I'm honest, most of the time I would prefer to just be at home with my family Rather than engage with the people of God, um, that's just my my personality, my bent. Um, but obviously, that's not that's not what um, what God has uh, f- for me and for us in uh, in its in its fullness. Um, there's a there's an African proverb that, that's really interesting that says, uh, "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together." My goal this morning is that we come away stirred again with the truth that we're all in this together and that if we really want to go far into all that God has for us, Pastor Bart talked about revival last week. If we want to go far into all that God has for us, we have to do it together. Last uh, last year at one point I I saw a a movie titled Silence. Silence. Um, a movie about two Jesuit priests in the, in the 17th century who journey from Portugal to Japan in search of their lost mentor and uh, to, to strengthen the, the Catholic believers in, in Japan. Now, I'm going to follow Pastor Bart's example, and I'm not going to recommend this movie. Um, watch at your own risk. But to me, it is a fascinating illustration of the importance of being in relationship with other believers who can keep us from drifting. Uh, in, in the story, these two young guys, these young, two young Jesuit priests, they hear rumor that their, their mentor, an older man, uh, has, has, has given up the faith, has committed apostasy, which is kind of the, the churchy word for turning away from Jesus and, and turning away from the faith. And so they go to, to look for him and, uh, and to preach to the Catholic believers in Japan. Um, but as the movie progresses, you feel this rising sense of pressure that, the, that these young guys, these young priests feel uh, to really uh, give up trying to go against the culture in Japan, give, give up trying to preach Jesus, and to just kind of slide into the culture. Um, there's, there's the language barrier. There's the cultural barriers. There's, and as, as the movie goes on, you begin to realize it's doubtful if, if the Japanese people even truly understand the basic concepts of Christianity. And then, of course, there's the persecution um, that's rather intense uh, in that country. And that's, that's why I'm not recommending the movie um, because of some of the scenes that, that portray the, the persecution. And without giving too much of the movie away, uh, you, we do eventually find out that some of these Jesuit priests do end up walking away from, from Jesus. Uh, they, they decide that it would be easier to just kind of fit in with the Japanese culture where Jesus is, is a way, but not the way. And in their, in their isolation, they, they give up. They get disillusioned. They feel like they can't hear from God anymore. That's why the movie's called Silence. And uh, in, their, in their isolation, in their isolation they, they fall away. Now, for most of us, well, let me first say you may not be on the verge of giving up on Jesus this morning. Uh but we're we're almost a whole month into into uh 2018 and you may be already I don't know where you are spiritually right now, but you may be thinking um I'm already worn out. I'm already tired going into this new year. That's if I'm honest. You know, we just came out of a, a 21 days of fasting and prayer as a church body and uh for for me, I, I kind of felt like I was just sort of beat up during that time because I was physically sick, just physically didn't feel well during that time. And uh, so I know for some people it was a, it was a time of of great encouragement, and and uh, for me it was more like a time of just pressing through the physical uh, hindrances during that time. Um, but maybe you're doing well spiritually, but for all of us, we're, we're going to be in seasons where we where we're not doing well, where we're not feeling. Um, close to God spiritually. But for, for, I think, at least maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I think for all of us, when we are in those seasons where spiritually we're struggling, our tendency is not to go to other believers, but to retreat, to, to run away and, and, and isolate ourselves. And when we're not connected to other believers in close relationship, that's where, that's where we get into trouble. That's a dangerous place. To be. And so we're going to look at Hebrews 3, 12 through 14, is what we're going to focus on. And here's how I want to break it down. Um, I want to ask three questions of this text, of Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. And my hope and my prayer is if by the Holy Spirit uncovering the word for us, if we're able to see in the text the answers to these questions. I hope that it will be a a benefit, a spurring on to us us all. So let's read the text together. And I'm going to actually start in verse 7, talk a little bit about the the general context before we hone in on on our our three verses. So starting in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another. Every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The The theme of, of the book of Hebrews is the, the writer of Hebrews. So we actually don't know uh, who, it, who it was. But he's writing to a group of Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, who are really struggling with some of the same pressures that those Jesuit priests were in the movie Silence. Um, they're, They're considering giving up Jesus and kind of sliding back into the culture and the religion that they're most comfortable with, namely Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, Jesus is greater than anything that you could turn away to in your lives and specifically in Hebrews chapter 3, the, where we pick it up, he's, he's using the example of Moses, who's kind of the, the hero of of Judaism. And he's saying, look, the Israelites in the Old Testament, they, they turned away from Moses. And Jesus is infinitely greater than Moses. So how much more tragic would it be to, to walk away from Jesus? And this passage that we're kind of working from big picture, narrowing in, ...to the verses here that we're going to look at. But this passage is interesting because the writer is quoting from the Old Testament. Specifically, he's quoting from Psalm 95. But Psalm 95 is referring back to some earlier stories in the Old Testament... ...of when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Exodus. And so you have the the writer of Hebrews is kind of looking back through the corridor of Scripture and history... Saying, look at look at the Old Testament Israelites. He's using them as a negative example, what not to do, in speaking to the the current situation. And you you probably know the story of of the people of Israel. They they come out of Egypt as of slaves, miraculously through the the parting of the Red Sea. But it doesn't take very long, and they they start grumbling and and complaining and saying, God, why'd you bring us out here, to 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 Starve in the desert to be slaughtered by by enemies who are bigger and stronger than than us, and they begin to think, well, it'd be easier to just give up on this being the people of God thing, and just kind of go back to where, even though we were slaves in Egypt, at least we knew we knew kind of how things worked. We kind of understood the culture. We kind of knew our place. We knew how we fit in, and so it would be easier to just go back to that. And so that's, the, that's what the author is, is referring to in, in kind of the bigger context of this chapter. So hold that Old Testament story in your mind as we look at our passage, Hebrews 3, 12 through, through 14, and ask our, our three questions. And here's, here's the first question. So this, this should be on your, on your outline if you want to, want to take notes. Um, the first question is, what is the warning what is the, the warning? And this, is, this is clearly a warning passage um, because it starts with the words, take care. Take care. Maybe, now, maybe your, your Bible may say, um, other translations say something like, see to it. Or I think the, the older New King James says, beware. But, but it is, it's a warning passage. And, and a warning passage, by definition, is It's telling people of a potential danger or a potential threat because if if there is no awareness of the danger of the threat, then there's a much greater likelihood to to succumb to the danger right? <clears throat> a warning is meant to put a level of, of healthy fear into you now you may be thinking I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a side trail here before I keep going on, you may be thinking, okay, Scott, you've said a few phrases here that make me kind of wonder. You said like falling away, um, apostasy, are you saying that Christians can lose their salvation? Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big controversial topic down through church history, and so I'm not going to get into that, but I'm going to say briefly, uh, no, I, I believe that, that God preserves his children to, to the end. However, I believe that one of the ways that he does it is through using warnings, like, like what we're about to, to look at. Um, if you've ever driven on a, a curvy road, like up a mountain, kind of a, a windy curvy road up a mountain where there's a steep drop off. Um, my wife and I, we, we honeymooned in, uh, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and so we, you know, we took the The windy road up, you might see occasionally these these roadsides on the on the side of the road basically warning you, hey, there's a steep drop-off. If you fall off, you're gonna die. Now, the the presence of that sign doesn't mean that you're going to fall off the road and die. The, The warning there doesn't mean you're going to that you're gonna fail. Actually, the warning, the presence of the warning sign is to keep you on the road. And so the good driver, the true driver, so to speak, is the one who's going to heed the sign, heed the warning, and keep on the path, keep on the road, and that's kind of the the role that warnings play in scripture. My my daughter Ellie is uh, is is two right now, and uh, she she does not have a very high level of healthy fear in her life, as those with toddlers know. Um, it's it's a it's a crazy day every day in the, in the Shoe poem. But, uh, so she will, we've, we've done fires in, in our backyard in our little fire pit, and she'll take a short little stick or something and want to walk up and stick it in the fireplace. Or she'll walk up to the, to the hot stove and want to stick her hand up and, and touch the, the hot stove. And so we have to use warnings with her. Not because we're against her or against her joy. Because we are for her. We're for her good. And so we, we do want to, to, to warn her to keep her, keep her safe. And so what is the warning in this passage? Hebrews <clears> 3. <throat> warning is watch out for a bad heart. Watch out for a bad heart. Let's look. I want to look briefly at, at what are some of the, the, the nature of, of the warning of, of a bad heart. I'm going to kind of move quickly through this because these are 5 subpoints under point one, kind of following Pastor Bart again, uh, cramming multiple points into one point. Um, so, But i I got to move quickly because this is still in point one. Um, but first of all is this. No one is immune to a bad heart. This is all in really verses 12 and 13 is where I'm getting all of these. Um, but notice... Uh, that that he says, brothers and sisters, take care lest lest any of you have have a, have an evil unbelieving heart, leading you to, to fall away. Um, there's no exception clause given. He doesn't say unless you've been a Christian for ten years or, or more, then then you're good, then you can coast. You don't have to you don't have to be on, on guard. No, there there is no uh, exception given. So even in a even in a church. Like fullness, that's not huge. Uh, you, can, you can faithfully come on a Sunday morning and appear fine on the outside when on the inside your, your heart may be just being ravaged by the deceitfulness of, of sin. No one, no one is immune, just like no one seems to be immune right now to the flu. I've, I've heard that, 50, that 49 of the 50 states have, have had the flu. Um, no one is immune to, to a bad heart. But second is this, where your heart goes, you go. Where your heart goes, you go. It's been pointed out uh, that, that a common theme in, in Disney stories, especially Disney princess movies, is, you probably know what I'm going to say, is what? Follow your, follow your heart. Uh, and, and many have pointed out, including me, I, th- I think rightly, uh, that that's a dangerous Message. We've talked about that in the youth group with the students before. Um, that's a dangerous thing to follow your heart. But if you think about how Scripture talks about the heart, <clears throat> um, we all follow our hearts. When, right? If you think about it, um, notice in, in this text, what is it that, that leads you to fall away from, from the living God? It's your, it's your heart. Of, co- of course it is, because the heart is the control center for your life. You know, it says in Proverbs, uh, guard your heart because all of life comes out of out of your heart. We live out of our our hearts. And so the issue is not will you or will you not follow your heart? The issue really is what is your heart holding precious? What is your heart clinging to? What is your heart worshiping? Because that's going to determine the course of Your life. Where your heart goes, you go. But next, notice that the power of sin is its deception. The power of sin is its deception. Now, Pastor Bart's talked quite a bit the last few weeks about the nature of deception, so I'm not going to say much, um, but this this is this is coming from verse 13. uh, That it talks about the deceitfulness of sin. And so I'm just going to say briefly that, that sin distorts reality, uh, and it gives us a, a false narrative of of who God is, of of who others are, of who we are, of of what life is really about. And uh, to to use a, a popular uh, term right now, uh, sin is the ultimate producer of fake news. Uh, is is sin because it gives a false a false picture of of what's really going. On. The power of sin is its deception. If it wasn't, uh, if it couldn't deceive, then no one would give in to it. But next, sin is always progressive in nature. Again, we're still talking about a, a bad heart here. And sin is always progressive in nature. Notice in verses 12 and 13 that, that the pro, there's a, a progression that seems to be there of, of a bad heart. It, it seems to go kind of like this. You become deceived, and then that leads to you being hardened, which leads to you developing an evil, unbelieving heart, which leads you to fall away. So sin, the very nature of sin, is, is progressive. So if you, if you give sin a little breathing room, it's not going to stay satisfied with that. It's going to grasp for more. That is the very nature of it. It, it, it progresses. It grows. It grows. And then lastly, it doesn't take long to succumb to the deceitfulness of sin, to give in to the deceitfulness of sin. Even though it is progressive, it doesn't take long to give in to the deceitfulness of it. How how often are we told to to exhort one another that we're not deceived and are not hardened? How often does it say? Every day, as long as it's called today, today which every day we call it today, we are to exhort one another. Um, if, if, you've ever, if you've ever been to a, a baseball game, I know I use a lot of baseball illustrations, I'm sorry. Uh, I grew up, my dad's a baseball coach, so I grew up around baseball. Um, but if you've ever been to a, a baseball game, you, you may have noticed how often uh, they, they water the infield dirt, the, the, the clay in the infield part of the field, uh, if you go early to a game, you'll notice it's one of the last things really that they do before the game starts. And then uh, probably they do it again during the middle of the game um, because that, that affects how the game is, is played. And that dirt, that infield clay, uh, it doesn't take very long t- for it to become hard. And when it becomes hard, it, it affects negatively how the game is is played. And our hearts are kind of like that, that clay on the on the infield of a of a baseball diamond. It it does not take very long for them to become hardened. And so we need to exhort every day. And it's it's only when you see the seriousness of the warning that you're ready for the solution. Okay, that, that is the point of of a warning is you have to see the seriousness of it. But so the second question is <clears throat> how does God keep us going? How does God keep us going? We've seen the warning, the nature of the danger. So what is, what is the remedy that God offers, the way forward that he, that he gives, at least in this text? Well, first, let me say that the way that God, that God keeps us going is, I think, really counterintuitive to the way a lot of us think. If, if you think like a, like a 21st century individualistic American, uh, or if you think like an introvert, or probably if you just think like a guy, if you're a guy here, um, probably your response to the warning would be something like this. Okay, I know that I have to be careful for my heart not to be deceived and hardened, so I just got to work really hard at getting a good plan for my quiet time with the Lord, and I got to just remove all distractions, and if you're like me, just don't worry about anybody around me. Just focus on me and Jesus. Now, that's not, that's not fully bad or wrong. Um, there's, there's definitely truth to that. But that's not what, what God gives here in Hebrews 3. Because your relationship with God is very personal. Don't hear me say that your relationship with God is not personal. But your relationship with God is not private. It is personal, but it is not private. And the the way that we stand against the warning of a bad heart is is each other. It's each other. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is why Hebrews says later, in Hebrews chapter 10, kind of a, a parallel passage to this, says, Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Where there is no accountability in your life, the, the bad heart will run unchecked. I think we've seen one of the most powerful illustrations of this in very recent days. I don't know if you've uh, noticed in the news, followed this in the news, but it's with the... Uh, with the exposure and the trial of Dr. Larry Nasser, the, the former team doctor for the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team, Dr. Nassar, uh, for, for decades, he, uh, he sexually abused many female gymnasts from, from teenagers down to some as young as age six. Over 150 young women testified in court over the last several days <clears throat> to, to the unspeakably horrible things that, that Dr. Nasser would do to them in secret. And it also, it exposed the shocking negligence on the part of the U.S. Olympic Committee where, where Dr. Nasser spent years on the faculty. Um, I'm sorry, uh, where, where, the, the, um, where the chairman of, of the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, resigned. And I think, I think all of the board also resigned as well as uh, Michigan State University, where, where Dr. Nasser was, was part of the faculty and treated many of, of the athletes. There, there is great danger where there is no accountability in your life. And the truth is, you're not as strong on your own as what you think you are. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, your response to this passage, this warning passage should not be to isolate yourself more but rather to press in more to relationship with, with others. Um, in fact, if, if your response is to think, okay, I just got to work harder on my own to stand against this, this warning, then actually probably you're already being deceived by, by the deceitfulness of sin that is saying, hey, I don't need other people to tell me how I'm doing. I'm hanging in there all right. On my own. Um, here's here's a, a check. Kind of a good question to to ask is: Do I view other people as a distraction to my relationship with God, or uh, do I view them as part of the way that God grows my relationship with Him? Do I view other people as a distraction to my relationship with Him, with God, or do I view them as the way, part of the way that God grows my relationship? With him. And our response should be to to press in more to to the relationships with other believers so so they can exhort you and you can exhort them. The the answer to the danger of a bad heart is not more isolation, but more Jesus centered community. I need others to protect me from me, and so do you. This is, is, by the way, why we do small groups at Fullness, why we do E3 groups. We don't just do it because, well, a lot of other churches do it. We think it's a cool little program to have. No, it is because of texts in Scripture like this that say we we have to have other people in our lives. We have to be in relationship with others. And really our goal here at Fullness is we would love to see 100% of regular Sunday morning attendees in a small group of some kind, in a, a smaller group outside of coming just on Sunday mornings. And uh, we just kicked off another semester of Wednesday night E3 groups. And if you have not yet jumped in on, on board with one, it is not too late. Please don't listen to the the deceitfulness of sin says, oh, I missed my shot, to jump in on community. Um, you can still sign up. And uh, we've, we've Hopefully, giving you multiple ways to do that. You can do it in the foyer. You can do it online. We actually, I uh, had Caroline print out a, a little step by step sheet of how to go online and do it that's sitting out there on the table, um, or you can talk to me. Um, take advantage of, of our small groups. But our third and our last question is, is this Who is the source of our confidence? Who is the source of our confidence? First, I can tell you who it's not. It's not ourselves. That should be obvious by now from, from point one. Um, but also, it's not other believers. It's actually not each other. Now, you may be thinking, okay, aren't you just kind of contradicting what you just said, uh, that we need each other, God uses each other to help us keep going? No, this, this, is, a, this is important. <clears throat> other believers are the means God uses to keep us going but our confidence is not in those means don't confuse the means God uses with the source of those means Jesus is the source of our confidence now don't miss don't think this all this that's so obvious that you that you miss it Hebrews 3:14 says for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And this is really interesting to me. This, this word for confidence in here, it's also sometimes translated conviction or assurance. It's not so much talking about your inner feeling of confidence that you have inside, as much as it's talking about the objective source of, of your confidence, what your confidence is, is in. Because my inner feeling of confidence in God is going to go up and down. And so my confidence can't be in my, my level of confidence. Are you with me? Um, it, it's fascinating, uh, confidence, the word confidence appears in Hebrews four or five times, and I don't have time to walk through every passage, but... Every time that the confidence, the word confidence appears in Hebrews, it's always referring to the person and work of Jesus. Every time. So confidence is based in who Jesus is and what he has done, both in the past, on the cross, in the resurrection, we sang about it today, and what he is currently doing before the Father, praying for us, interceding for us before the Father. And so what is important, what is important, is not the strength of your confidence, but what your confidence is in. Weak confidence in a strong source is infinitely better than strong confidence in a weak source. Say that again. Weak confidence in a strong source is infinitely better than strong confidence in a weak source. Now, use the example of... Imagine a frozen pond or a lake. We've actually had some ice in Alabama this month, uh, in the month of January. Um, but imagine you've got this frozen lake, this frozen pond, and you've got to get from one side of it to the other. You guys, you have that, that picture in your mind. Um, but imagine that the, the level of ice on this frozen lake is actually really thin, um, not very strong at all. But you're very confident in this ice that it's going to hold you up. And so you walk out boldly and proudly on this, on this frozen lake. Just, you, know, you step out there in bold confidence. Now, is your strong level of confidence going to help you when you get out on that ice? No, you're going to drop like a rock. <clears throat> strong confidence in a, in a weak source is, is not good. But imagine now that that, level of, that layer of ice covering that lake, that frozen pond, is actually very strong, very thick layer of ice. But let's say that you're really nervous about venturing out onto it, and so you barely take a step, and then you barely take another step. Maybe you even crawl on your hands and knees. Your confidence is weak, but are you gonna be okay? Yes, because your source of confidence is strong. The source of our confidence is is more important than than how strong the confidence is. And our confidence is in Jesus and in the gospel. Maybe the part, maybe part of the reason why you just can't seem to want to get into into relationship, into community with other people here is maybe it's fear, maybe it's shame. Or, or fear of, of your past being exposed. Maybe you're like, I know I got a bad heart, and I know the places where my bad heart has led me, and I don't want other people to know about that. Um, I, I don't want people to see that. But there's nothing that you've done that is so great that the gospel is not greater still. <clears throat> One of the most probably. The most powerful testimony that was given at this trial that I referred to earlier, the trial of, of Dr. Larry Nasser, uh, was that of Rachel Denhollander. Not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right, but uh, this, this lady, Rachel Denhollander, who was, um, she's a lawyer now, but she was a gymnast and she was only 15 when she was abused by Dr. Nasser. And you can watch her statement online. Um, I watched part of it this week, and it's incredibly powerful. And but she speaks out of her own testimony and out of her relationship with Jesus. She's a, she's a believer, and she talks of the reality of sin in, in very frank terms, but also of forgiveness that is offered in the gospel. And in part of her statement, um, she, she directly addresses Dr. Nasser. Her, her abuser in in the courtroom she, she, she's looking straight at him and uh, earlier in the trial Dr. Nasser had had brought a Bible he I guess he was carrying around a Bible in the in the courtroom and um, and he had spoken actually of forgiveness and, and hoping for forgiveness and uh, here's part of what she says um, in, in speaking to to dr Nasser she says this she says In our early hearings, you brought your Bible into the courtroom and you have spoken of praying for forgiveness. And so it is on that basis that I appeal to you. If you have read the Bible, you carry, you know, the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is of God himself loving so sacrificially that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for the sin he did not commit. By this grace, I, too, choose to love this way. You spoke of praying for forgiveness. But Larry, if you read the Bible you carry, you know forgiveness does not come from doing good things, as if good deeds can erase what you have done. It comes from repentance, which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you have done in all its utter depravity and horror, without mitigation, without excuse. Without acting as if good deeds can erase what you have seen in this courtroom today. The Bible you carry speaks of a final judgment where all of God's wrath and eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet, because it extends grace and hope and mercy. Where none should be found. And it will be there for you. And grace will be there for you too. In a world of, of much darkness, of plenty of people following a, a heart that is deceived by sin. Our confidence, our only confidence has to be in Jesus and in the gospel and if Jesus is powerful enough to, to enable this, this woman to, to forgive her, her abuser and to offer mercy to, to a man who has, who has abused so many, then he's worthy of our confidence and he's powerful enough to, for us to move into community, into relationship with each other. Having our hearts exposed can be a painful and scary process. I can only imagine what, what the last few weeks have been like for, for Dr. Nasser. But it is only as we're in relationship with each other that God keeps us moving forward. So we must see the danger of, of the warning that is, that is given to us in order to be affected by it. The warning that we're all in danger of, of giving in to to a bad heart, the leading of a bad heart, and that God's way of protecting us and of keeping us moving forward, moving far into all that he has for us is each other. And we need each other in our lives, exhorting us to remember that our only hope is is in Jesus. If, If you're not in a in community, in relationship, in a small group, I encourage you, please get into one. And if, if you are into one, leaders, small group leaders, I'm one of them too, in our groups, are we, are we exhorting each other to look to Jesus? Because if, if, if we're not doing that, really, what are, what are we doing? We're kind of just killing time. Are we exhorting one another to p- place our confidence in Jesus? Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that as a good father, you love us enough to give us warnings. You do it not because you're against us, because you're for us, you're for our good. And I pray, God, that for all of us, that you would give us hearts that are soft to receive the word this morning, God, that it wouldn't roll in one ear and out the other, but that we would take action. If we are not in relationship with people who, who know us and who can, can, can see the warning signs in our lives and who can exhort us to keep going, God, that we would get into relationship, that we would get into to community. And I pray, God, that, that our hope, that our confidence would not be in ourselves, that it would not be in each other, but that it would be in the gospel, that it would be in Jesus. Help us, Father, to, to move, to move far into all that you have for us going into 2018 as, as a church, as a body of believers. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wanna, we're gonna have a, a time of uh, a short time of, of ministry. So if you are um, on the uh, ministry group, ministry team, a prayer team, uh, if you would please come forward. Uh, we're gonna have a, a, a short time of of ministry and then uh, then elder chris Kuhn will will come up afterwards um, so if if you're on a, a a prayer team a ministry team please come forward uh, these are our trained uh, prayer teams um, and uh, so if you want if you have a response you feel like you need to respond uh, to this um, maybe for you the first step to to getting back into relationship into community is just Sharing, your, sharing a prayer need with somebody else, saying, hey, I need help in this, in this area. Please pray for me in this. Um, or if you have any other, any other need, if you have a, a, a burden that you feel just needs lifted, if um, you need healing, if you need direction and wisdom, um, come and get prayer. <clears throat> um, if, if you're tempted to just say, oh, well, we're, we're about out of time. I, I need to go. I need to leave. Uh, don't don't give in to that. Um, if it, if there's something weighing on your heart, please please come and, and get prayer. Um, so, uh, Father, I I ask God. I thank you for your grace, and I ask that you would continue to move in our midst in these in these moments ahead. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come and get it.